Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on September 8th, 2013. Today's message is titled, An Enduring Leg- Legacy, by Pastor Radley Reed, and is based on scripture, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Well, good morning. It's good to be here this morning, isn't it? I'm thankful for this opportunity to to join you here at Ebenezer to be preaching, to be sharing God's Word. I hope it's a time where we can dive into God's Word together. We can see what he has to say to us, how we can be encouraged as we continue to move on mission that God has given to us. I wanted to share a little bit. Darren uh, talked a little bit about who I am. Uh, I wanted to expand a little bit, give you a bit of a glimpse into who Brad Reed is, so that you've got a bit of an idea of who's preaching to you this morning. Uh, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a number of years. I I grew up in Edmonton, and as I was finishing high school, God, through a number of different people, including my youth pastor, uh, helped show me that I should move into uh, pastoral ministry. And so I served at a few different churches. Most recently, I was a pastor at Bethany Baptist Church, just over in Richmond, and really enjoyed my time there. I started in 2004. I was the, the youth pastor there. So I got to take care of students in grade 6 up to grade 12 and really enjoyed that. Worked with some of the young adult ministries there as well. Got to know some of the, the students from Ebenezer here uh, when we would go to May Camp together up at Green Bay. And let me say, I was always thankful when the, the bus would actually make its way into the parking lot at Green Bay. And we'd say, okay, they made it for another year. This is good. And we, we got to, to have a lot of fun together up at May Camp. Really enjoyed those times. Towards the end of my time at Bethany, I was uh, serving as an adult ministries pastor. The associate pastor had finished up, and I recognized that there was a a bit of a gap, but I also had an intern who could take over the youth ministry stuff so that I could move into some adult ministry roles. And I really enjoyed that time, and I was doing that for about a year, a year and a half or so. And then the elders came to me and said, Brad, we have some decisions to make as a church in terms of the the future in, in terms of staffing and ministry direction. And I said, okay, let's, let's talk. And they said, you know, you are free to return to your youth ministry role if you'd like to. And my wife and I talked about that and prayed about it. And, and we really felt that we should either continue on in what we were doing in terms of adult ministry stuff or move into a different role. And the elder said, well, that, that's fine, but recognize that there might not be an adult ministries role for you here. And sure enough, what ended up happening was the elders recognized that they needed to hire a pastor who could speak Mandarin and who could preach in Mandarin and lead that congregation well because the Chinese ministry there was really growing and expanding. And I looked at the Mandarin language and realized I couldn't learn how to preach in Mandarin. And my time came to an end, uh, which was fine. Uh, We really felt blessed by Bethany. In fact, my last Sunday morning at Bethany was, was last September. And it was an ordination service combined with a farewell service. So it was this strange blend of of two different things going on. The church recognizing my ministry and then thanking me for the ministry I had there and and blessing me as I I go forward looking for my next role. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm looking for what might be next. Uh, The week after I finished up at Bethany, I had uh, my my son Ian was born. Uh, He's 10 months old. He's our, our youngest son. And that meant that after my my time at Bethany was finished, and and Bethany blessed me with a sabbatical time as well, when that finished, I got to move into parental leave, which, as as you were saying, is probably one of the best jobs in the world. I've been spending the last number of months at home with my family, being able to spend time with my my three sons and with my wife, and and it's really been very uh, encouraging to be able to do that. I've got a few pictures to show. 
because it's always nice to be able to do that. We'll see if my remote clicker will, will work here. It might not. I might have to get Florence or someone to help me with it. But I've, I've been married since uh, 2005. And uh, my wife, Colleen, and I, this is uh, a picture. I think this is a required Canadian picture, if I'm not mistaken. That's Lake Louise in the background. We traveled to Edmonton to see my family this summer. And it seems like it's a requirement to stop at Lake Louise and get a picture with the lake in the background. And so you can see Colleen, uh, she and I got married in 2005. We're actually celebrating our anniversary tonight. We're, we, we got married at the end of September. But when you've got three kids, you go out and celebrate things when you've got a babysitter available. So we're going tonight, and we're going to try out a new Indian restaurant and, and just uh, celebrate our, our years of marriage together. And then we've got three sons, uh, Carlin, uh, Noah, and Ian. And I've got a few. We'll, we'll pull these up. Uh, this is Carlin. His first day of kindergarten was on Tuesday. So he was pumped to be going. Uh, he hasn't had a full day yet. I suspect after his first full day on Wednesday, he will just crash and be so exhausted, but will have had a great time. He saw some of his friends when he showed up and gave them big bear hugs and is getting to know his teachers and just loves that. Uh, this is Noah and Ian. Looks like my clicker might be working again. We'll see what happens. Uh, Noah on the bottom, you see him running through a spray park there. Uh, he is, is two, two and a half, and I call him my little bulldozer, my little bulldog. He plows through people like they aren't even there. Uh, right now, his latest thing is to, to fight uh, bad guys, uh, supervillains and that sort of thing. So he'll come up and he'll say, are you a bad guy? And I'll say, no, I'm dad. I'm, I'm a good guy. He'll say, oh, you really bad guy. And he'll try to, to fight and wrestle with me a little bit. And he tries to do that with his brothers. And it, it causes some problems. But he's just got this great laugh and way of barreling through life and, and not letting anything stop him. And then Ian is 11 months old. Yesterday, he just turned 11 months. Uh, so we're looking ahead to that uh, one one year birthday where he gets to try chocolate cake or whatever it might be. And Ian is just starting. I think he's going to be the kid who's who's got that kind of sit back and that that little um, playfulness, get into trouble or get his brothers into trouble and not get in trouble himself. He might have that bit of a personality. He's just starting to cruise around on furniture. We've discovered he can climb up on our couch. I uh, discovered that yesterday when he fell off our couch, and, and that's where Ian is at. And I'll show you just one other picture here uh, on the, the top left. That's uh, Carlin and Noah. They love to dress up as superheroes, and so we found them uh, a Hulk and Thor costume. So you can see why Noah likes to run around and say, you bad guy, and try to beat people up. So we are busy. Uh, it has been a blessing to be on, on parental leave, to be able to help care for, for my wife and my, my, my sons, and just to get to know them. I, I wonder what will happen when I'm, I'm back to, to working full-time and they don't see me all the time. It'll be a real switch for them. But uh, we have been so blessed to have this, this time of, of parental leave and, and being able to spend time. It's coming to an end. I'll share a little bit about, about the, the challenges that we're facing as a family uh, in my sermon as we, we look at uh, 2 Timothy. But it has been an encouraging time. A few other things about me. I am a, an avid reader. I love to read all sorts of books. I, I put up a few of the books that, that I've been reading the last while. Everyday Church, I, I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. It's a, a book that looks at how do you become, as a church, as a Christian, part of a, a missional community? How do you get involved in your neighborhood? How do you go and declare the gospel? How do you be a minister of the gospel to all the, the people around you? And, and I, I read through that. And I look forward to, to talking with people about it, saying, what does this mean for, for us? Um, in the middle there is The Lord of the Rings. That's one of my favorite series of books of, of all time. I read it when I was like in grade five. Didn't understand much of it at the time, but just kept reading it. For a while, I was reading it pretty much every year. And what I love about it is it's this, this world where there's good and there's evil and there's, there's challenges and battles and things that are happening. But as Tolkien, the author, talks about, 
It's a fantasy where good triumphs in the end, where evil cannot stand. And it's a glimpse into the truth of the gospel, where we serve a king who will conquer. And I just love immersing myself in some of those, those different, different fantasy worlds where, where good and evil clash and, and good triumphs. And then on, on the, the, the top right there uh, is Les Mis, uh, Victor Hugo. I just watched the movie a few days ago and I thought, I'd like to kind of fill in the pieces a little bit. I'm actually the kind of person who, if there's a movie based on a book, I like to watch the movie first. And the book just seems to have so much more going for it, so many more things and details. Uh, the challenge is I'm reading Les Mis on my Kindle right now. And I'm, I'm a fast reader. I can read a book really quick. And the Kindle, if you're familiar with those e-readers, they give you a percentage of, of how far into the book you are. Well, I've read probably two and a half, three hours of Les Mis. I'm 4% into the book. So in 10 years or so, I might let you know how it was and the, the details that I missed from just watching the mu movie and seeing the musical. Uh, but I love to read and enjoy that. I enjoy movies. Uh, and being able to go out to movies. And these are some of the, the movies that I, I love. Uh, Avengers and Star Trek and Cool Hand Luke, an older movie that I, I just, I, I love some of the stories. And I love movies not just for entertainment, although let's face it, I like to go and just sit down and have a big tub of popcorn and watch something and kind of check out for a while. But I also love looking at movies and looking at the stories and the themes. I think movies, in a lot of ways, share the philosophies of our day, the, the things that people believe about life and worldview. And if we can understand the messages in movies that are being communicated, we can engage in our culture better. And so I love going to those, those different movies and, and trying to figure out what's being said here, what's the message, how can I use that to talk with people. Uh, the other thing that you should know about me is I'm a huge comic book fan. This picture doesn't show up too well, I know, because it's, it's a lot of small characters. But uh, I've been collecting comic books since about 1984 or, or thereabouts. I, I counted up. I've got 16 long boxes. They're about that long. They each hold about 300 comics. They're stuffed in the corner of my garage. And I just, I, I love the stories. Again, going back to good versus evil and the, these different worlds where you can see things. What's really kind of embarrassing is if you were to, to look closely at this picture, I could probably name all the different characters and their powers and their secret identities and on and on and on and on because I just remember those things. It's, it's kind of weird. But that's a little bit about who I am. Uh, I've enjoyed over this last while, as I've, I've had more time, I've been trying to get into running and uh, some more exercise, those sorts of things, just, just different things. Uh, my wife and I both love to go to the movies, but as I said, with uh, three kids, finding the babysitting for that can be challenging. So who knows, maybe tonight after our, our Indian meal, we might catch a movie or something. But that's some of who I am, and you'll, you'll learn more about me this week and next week as we jump into God's Word together. One of the things I'm really passionate about is, as a pastor, as just as a Christian, is helping people discover and understand the fact that they are ministers of the gospel. And that's a phrase you're going to hear a lot from me this morning, minister of the gospel. We are called by God to go into our communities, to share the gospel in a way that people will understand. We need to help them to understand the fact that on our own, we're messed up, we're sinners, we have no hope, except through Jesus Christ. And as ministers of the gospel, we need to understand who we are, who God has called us to be, and how we can go and declare the truth to the world around us, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family. And I'm passionate about that. I love to see that happening. And I love when the light goes on for someone and they say, oh, that's one of the things God has given to me so I can go and tell others about Christ. It's a wonderful thing to, to see happen. We're going to look this morning, uh, as was read, at 2 Timothy 
the first seven verses. We're going to look at how God has given all of us a legacy of faith, and he has given us everything we need to be effective ministers of the gospel. So I'd like to pray right now, and then we'll jump into those verses together. Lord God, thank you again for bringing us here this morning. Thank you that we have an opportunity to be serving you. We have an opportunity this morning to focus on you in a special way as we gather together as your church. I pray that we would be able to look at your word this morning, that I would be able to preach and to share your thoughts, your words, your convictions, not mine, that we would be challenged by the fact that we have a legacy of faith that allows us to go and serve you as ministers of the gospel. I thank you and I pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I said, we're going to look at 2 Timothy. The first seven verses, just a small chunk of this epistle from the Apostle Paul. But I would encourage you, because next week we're going to be carrying on in 2 Timothy chapter 1. So I would encourage you to take some time this week to read through the whole book. It's only four chapters. It won't take all that long to be able to do it. If you're reading it on a Kindle, the percentage will move very quickly, and you'll be able to read that. You could do it in one sitting, or you could just read it through the week. But that's a great way to get to understand a bit more of the context of this letter, this, ep this epistle that we'll be looking at over these next two Sundays. Get an understanding of the big picture of the themes that Paul is writing about as God inspired him to communicate. As we look at the verses, I want you to know we're going to examine all these seven verses, but we're going to jump around a little bit. If you're familiar at all with the writings of Paul, you know sometimes it can be tough to follow along with his, his thoughts and the, the way that, that he's communicating things. So we're going to look at all the verses, but I might look at the first couple verses, then we'll jump down a little bit and we'll come back and uh, you'll just be able to follow along. I've got the verses up on the PowerPoint as well, but we will take a look at all these verses. And of course, as we jump into this letter, it's always helpful to have some context, some understanding of what's going on when this letter was written. I love the Bible because it's specific people writing in specific situations, and it's the context that they're writing in out of which arises these, these thoughts. But it also has so much to say to us, because when Paul wrote, he was inspired by God's Spirit to write the exact words that we have today. And so we can see what Paul wrote to Timothy but we can apply the principles in our own lives. It's an amazing thing how God's Spirit has worked that out so that we this morning can look at these, these words and be encouraged and be challenged. So this was Paul writing to Timothy. It was the last letter that we know of that, that Paul wrote. It's the last writing of Paul that survived to us. Certainly the last inspired writing that, that we have of Paul's. Paul is an old man when he wrote this. He has served well. He has run his race of faith. And he's sitting in a jail. He's under arrest. It's probably house arrest, so he's still got some ability to see people and to be cared for, but he can't really go anywhere. And not only is he sitting in jail, but he's going to be executed at some point in the near future. So he's sitting in jail, and he knows he's going to be killed for his faith. It's not an easy place to be in. It's a, a tough and a challenging situation. And he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is the young man who journeyed with Paul who saw Paul and worked with Paul to establish local churches on missionary journeys. They traveled together. They worked together. They prayed together. They faced challenges together. They knew each other really well. And Timothy 
receives this letter from Paul. It's kind of Paul's last will and testament, if you will, to, to Timothy. It's Paul writing to Timothy and encouraging him to carry on in his ministry, to minister well and to not give up. Timothy, at this point, was probably serving as a pastor in a church in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus had a church that was not easy to be a a pastor in or a leader in. When Paul established the church in, in the book of Acts, you could read about that, he establishes it, and when he leaves, he warns them that false teachers are going to come into the church. And that's exactly what happens. False teachers arise. In fact, some of the leaders, some of the elders in the church, end up teaching false doctrine. And Paul hears about this, and he sends Timothy to deal with things. He sends Timothy into this challenging situation, and that's where Timothy has been. And it's likely that when he receives this this letter from from Paul, it's where he still is. He's trying to deal with these challenging times. False teachers, teaching things about Jesus that just aren't true. Adding things to the gospel that aren't true. So Paul is in a difficult situation. He's sitting in jail. He's going to be executed. Timothy is dealing with a tough church. But the letter itself, when you read it, you you get encouraged. It's Paul being very enthusiastic about what's going on, about the ministry of the gospel. You read through it, and you would, at times I even wondered, was Paul really in jail? Because he's so excited about what's going on and able to persevere and carry on. He's excited about ministry. He wants Timothy to carry on well in his ministry. And we can learn a lot about how to carry on well in our own ministry. Uh, we, We see that the first verse It's Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. This is a very typical introduction from Paul. This is Paul saying, this is who I am. This is who God has called me to be. But it's packed full of things that we can take and we can use in our own lives. Paul basically here, he's laying out his credentials. He's saying, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, this is what it's about. And I don't think Timothy needed to hear this. Timothy knew who Paul was. But it's likely that Paul recognized that this letter would be read by others and that the church that Timothy was in would would read this and that the elders and and then even more, the false teachers, would need to be reminded about the authority that Paul has, that he is called as an apostle, apostle of Christ, that he teaches truth and that they need to get in line with what Paul is teaching. So he's kind of giving a warning to people. This is Paul. I write as an apostle. And he he makes sure that that's understood. So he's an apostle of Christ. He's been selected by God to be an ambassador, if you will. He is a representative of God who is to go and tell others about Jesus Christ, to declare the fact that we are sinners and that we need Christ to have eternal life. And Paul is an apostle because of a divine appointment chosen by the will of God. Paul didn't choose to be an apostle. If you know some of the story about how Paul came to be a follower of Jesus, you'll remember that he was traveling and he was going to arrest and to murder Christians because he felt that they were opposing the one true God of Israel. And that's what he was doing when he encountered Jesus. And Jesus called him to serve as an apostle to the Gentiles, as an apostle who would declare to all people the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's will was that Paul would become an apostle. Paul was obedient. And his apostleship is based on the promise of the life in Christ Jesus. It's a present promise. This isn't a future thing. Paul isn't saying, at some point, I will have life 
in Christ Jesus. He's saying this is a here and now promise. This is a reality in my life. I already have, says Paul, eternal life. But he also recognizes that there's this future component. I have eternal life. I will fully have it when I meet Jesus face to face. And so he anticipates that. He says, I have eternal life now, but I look forward to meeting Jesus and to entering into the fullness of my eternal life. And he can tell others about that because he is an apostle, as I have said, of the gospel. He is a minister of the gospel. So he has eternal life in Christ. God has called him to tell others about the promise of life that is in Christ. He is an apostle. He is a minister of the gospel. And I want you to know, if you this morning are a follower of Jesus Christ, you also are a minister of the gospel. God has called you to serve him. He has called you to go and tell others about Jesus. He has called you to tell the people in your communities, in your neighborhoods, in your workplace, in your school, in your families, your circle of friends, everyone you can. You are to go and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are to live in the reality of eternal life that you have in Christ. And you are called to tell others about it at all times, however you can. Which means you need to understand your neighborhoods and your communities and how you can communicate well in that context. In verse 2, we see that Paul is writing to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This Of all the letters, all the writings that we have from from Paul, this is the most personal letter. He talks of of Timothy in other places as his beloved son, beloved child, but this letter is so personal. It's Paul talking at the end of his life and trying to encourage Timothy on a personal level. As I said, they knew each other well. They worked and traveled and ministered together. And Timothy, if you read about, uh, about him in the New Testament, you get this idea that he was a little bit of a meeker personality than Paul. And that might not say a lot, because when you read about Paul, you see that he was a very forceful personality. He just kind of went ahead and got things done. So Timothy was a bit meeker. Maybe we needed a little bit more encouragement. Sometimes we get this, this sense that he just was needing encouragement all the time. And if he didn't get that encouragement, he wouldn't carry on. But we need to remember that Timothy is the person that Paul sent into a challenging church, where there was false teaching going on. Paul trusted that Timothy could lead well. Paul reminds him, you've got God's grace, his mercy, and his peace with you all the time. The grace of God, the goodness that's given to us, even though we don't deserve it. Unmerited favor. God loves us and he gives us his grace because he chooses to. His mercy, his help given to those of us who are discouraged, who are challenged, who need mercy to get by, to be able to carry on. And peace I think peace, sometimes we get this idea that peace is just kind of, okay, there's no problems and we're, we're at peace and all things are good. Well, peace is more than that. It's this sense of being right with God, of being in line with what God has in mind for you to be doing. That might mean that there's actually some really challenging times when you're at peace, but the peace arises out of God's grace and mercy. And you can be at peace trusting that you are in line with his will for your life. And so Timothy had these in full measure. He had grace, mercy, and peace, and he needed them because he was facing a challenging ministry. And he gives, God gives his grace, mercy, and peace to all ministers 
of the gospel, to all of us. You have received and you will continue to receive his grace, mercy, and peace. And you'll need it because you too will face challenging times. And in order to face them head on and face them well, you'll need God's grace, mercy, and peace at work in your lives. We then read that God, that Paul thanks God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. He thanks God and he sees this legacy of faith at work in his life. His ministry, Paul's ministry, had this continuity. It wasn't just Paul arriving on the scene and Jesus speaking to him and saying, okay, go and and be a minister of the gospel. No, Paul recognizes that his faith has connections way back through generations. He could have traced his family back for, for many generations and said they served God well. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee before he chose to follow Jesus. He knew the commands, and he followed them. He described himself, he had this attitude that he had been the Hebrew of Hebrews, the Pharisee of Pharisees. If you wanted to look at an example of what a follower of God was, you could have looked to Paul, because he tried to do everything in terms of of following the commandments and following the laws of God. And he did it with a clear conscience. And he knew the stories of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Ruth, Esther, on and on through the, the, the stories of the Old Testament. And those people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and others, Paul's ancestors, had served God with clear consciences. They had done their best to serve him. And Paul encounters Jesus, and he comes to recognize the fact that all that had happened in the life of Israel up to that point was leading to Jesus, was leading to the the ministry, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, that they had been preparing for that, anticipating that. And now Paul was a part of that legacy as he carried on as a minister of the gospel. He knew that all that God had done had led to Christ, and that through Christ it was finished and we were redeemed. We could be brought back to life with God. And a little bit later, this is where we'll jump down a little bit, we see in verse 5 that Paul writes, and he talks about the fact that I am reminded of your sincere faith, and it's a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now I am sure in you dwells in you as well. Paul recognizes that Timothy has a similar legacy of faith. Timothy's grandmother and mother had what Paul would have considered a genuine Jewish faith. It was a faith that looked to Jesus and put trust in him as the Messiah, as the Savior. And you could read a little bit, if you were to to look at the book of Acts, in, in Acts chapter 16, we get a bit of a glimpse into the family of Timothy. We see Paul meeting Timothy, and Timothy is described as having his mother, Eunice, who was a Jewish Christian. And we see here that his grandmother as well had, had faith. But it just says that his father was a, a, a Greek. And the implication there is that Timothy's dad didn't have faith in Christ, which explains some of the close connection between Timothy and Paul, as Paul was his father in the faith. But Timothy could trace back through his mother the legacy of faith, the generations of people who tried to serve God. So Paul essentially is saying that he has a long legacy of faith, and so does Timothy, that they have deep roots, that their ministry isn't just about them, but it traces way back. And that can be a huge encouragement during challenging times, to know that 
a ministry isn't just reliant on you, but it has a legacy that endures. It can be an encouragement to me as I look for where God is taking me next, and I don't know where I will be, and I don't know what will happen. But I can trust that God has been at work, not just in me, but in the people who helped me to learn about Christ. You can be encouraged, because I guarantee that whoever introduced you to Christ, whether it be your family, your parents, or friends, or a pastor, or a leader in a ministry, they have a long legacy of faith. In fact, their faith could stretch back, and if we could trace it back, it would go right back to the apostles and to Jesus, maybe even through Timothy and Paul, and we can be encouraged by that. And it can be an encouragement to us as individuals and as a church as well. And you can be reassured because as a church, you're in a time of transition. Your senior pastor has finished up, has finished up, has finished well, and has moved on to other ministries. And as a church, you're saying, what's going to be next? And that can be a scary time, wondering what's going to happen next. And if it was just you as a church on your own, that would be even more terrifying. But you, as a church, have a legacy of faith that stretches back. And you can look and see the, the ways that God has been at work in your lives, and you can be encouraged. You can be assured that God has given you a legacy so that you can continue on as ministers of the gospel. And that is a great encouragement. I'm encouraged on your behalf in that, knowing that God has great things in mind because he has brought you to this point, and that will continue. It's an encouragement for me as I think of legacies of faith knowing that people have spoken into my life. And even though I'm in this time of wondering what's next, I can be encouraged and know that God has things in mind for me and for my family. So Paul reminds Timothy that they have legacies of faith, but he also reminds them of the ways that they had served together. If you were to look earlier at verse 2, you could see that Paul says he constantly remembers Timothy in his prayers. He's reminded of his legacy of faith, and he thanks God for Timothy. And he prays for Timothy regularly. And my understanding of this is not that Paul was always only praying for Timothy, because Paul was also preaching the gospel, and he was praying for others, and he was involved in what he could be while he sat there in prison. But it's the idea that whenever Paul was praying, Timothy came to mind. He was diligent in praying for Timothy. So middle of the night, Paul wakes up and he starts praying. Timothy is prayed for. Early in the morning, Timothy is prayed for. At all times when Paul prays, Timothy is one of the things, one of the people that he is praying for, which is a great encouragement to Timothy. And he longs to see Timothy. They talk, he talks about when they departed, and they, he remembers Timothy's tears. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. They had served well together. He remembers the ways that they had served. He was tearful. Timothy was tearful when he left Paul. They had to go in, in different directions and it was a sad departure. But he looks forward to being able to see him again. If you read through 2 Timothy, you'll see Paul saying, bring some of my things when you come to see me, and come quickly. But they think of the things that they had experienced together. This reminds me of Paul's loneliness as well. Yes, he's encouraging Timothy, but Paul is sitting in a jail cell, and as you read through the book, you see that pretty much everyone has left him. They're ashamed of Paul because he's been arrested for his faith in Jesus. And so they leave him. There's only one person who sticks by him. But everyone else is left. And so Paul is lonely. And he's feeling the, the challenges of, of being there. 
And so he thinks back on better times. Maybe he's thinking back on the golden age of his ministry when he and Timothy were traveling and they were starting churches. And he thinks, man, that was great. And I wish I could be there again, but now I'm old and I don't have the energy and I can't go. And what he could do is just stay stuck in the past, couldn't he? He could be nostalgic and say, oh man, that was wonderful. What ministries we did. I wish we could do it again, but we can't, so we'll just keep thinking about it. But instead, what he does is he uses it to encourage Timothy. And he says, we served well together. Keep on serving well. Don't give up. Keep on serving God. So I could do the same thing. I could think about uh, some different things. I've got a few other pictures here. Uh, I could think back. This is a a youth ministry trip that I I took towards the end of my time at Bethany down to Nashville. It was a a, a youth ministry gathering with all sorts of NAB churches. We went to to Nashville. We went to, to Anaheim. And we served the, the, the city there. And it was, it was great. Um, we actually, the, the whole group of us from the NAB has been invited back to Anaheim because the city felt so blessed by what happened. It was real encouragement. I could just reflect on those times and other times at Bethany and say, man, that was awesome. I wish I could be doing that again. But here I am stuck not having a job and not knowing what's going to happen. So I'll just keep thinking about those good times. Or I could go back further. I could think about my trip to Disney World. Uh, this was my honeymoon, and what a wonderful time that was. I got to see Mickey, and I got to go to Universal Islands of Adventure, where they've got a Marvel superheroes island, and oh, that was a good time. Uh, or I could go back just a few days earlier to my wedding day and think about the opportunity I had to see friends and family and celebrate the love I have for my wife and the love that we have together for Jesus. I could get stuck there. I could think about times with my buddy Tim, Um, We've had some interesting times together. Uh, This was he and I when we traveled down to a youth ministry leaders summit uh, in Iowa. I had never been to Iowa before. I don't know if I'll have an opportunity to go there again. Uh, This was us getting ready to go horseback riding at the camp that we were at. And I'm glad I had that that funny-looking helmet on because I actually fell off my horse. The uh, cinch wasn't on the, the saddle tight enough. So we're going down this hill, and all of a sudden I'm underneath the horse. And Tim is looking around going, where did Brad go? What's happening? So I could think back on that, and I could be thankful to God that I didn't get hurt when I fell off my horse in Iowa, and these different things that God has done. Uh, I could go back even further. I could think back to when I was a cute little baby, four months old, where I really didn't have a lot of worries except when mom was going to change my diaper and when my next bottle would come, and boy, I think I'll have a nap now. That was the life I had at four months old. We can think about all these different things. We can get stuck in the past, can't we? We can think about what, what do we want to be, what were we doing, how is God at work in my life, and not move forward. And it's a real danger, I think. Because if I'm just thinking back on things, it's the, the dangers that will get trapped in the past. I won't continue on in the mission that God has in mind for me. I've been challenged personally with this recently, even just over the last few days as I've been meeting with some different people looking at ministry opportunities. And one of the things that someone said to me is, you know, why haven't you been doing some of these things? He's been talking, like I said, the everyday church stuff, missional communities. And the challenge was, Brad, why aren't you doing this anyway? Why aren't you in your community right now figuring out how you will share the gospel? And I said, well, I think part of it was I got stuck in the waiting to see what will be next. And I, I kind of went, you know, I was, I was here at Bethany, and I'll be over here somewhere else soon instead of saying, okay, God, you've put me right here, right now, to be serving you. So I was stuck in this limbo, and that's been convicting. I need to let what has happened to me at Bethany and other places where I've served inform my ministry, but I need to be moving forward in ministry. I need to carry on. Uh, I can't stay the same. I was speaking with a a church 
looking at a, a ministry possibility uh, a few weeks ago. And they asked, I don't know if you've ever been asked this question, but the question was, how do you see your life, where do you see yourself in, in 10 years from now? And I kind of stopped and I, I, I took a moment, and this was over Skype, so the, you know, I'm staring at my computer screen trying to see who I, I'm talking to. And I had to say, you know, I, I really don't know. Because I've just had this year of wondering what will be next. And, and then it came to me and I said, you know, what I do hope is that I'm different. Because what I have some control over is not where God will be calling me or what I will be doing or whether I am a pastor serving in a church or not. What I have control over is my own life. Am I taking time to be reading God's word, to be praying and hearing from him? Am I taking time to be a minister of the gospel in my community? I said, I hope in 10 years' time I'm different. I hope that my, my own thinking about who God is, my theology and my doctrine, has changed. Because I don't want to spend 10 years never having learned something new about who God is and having him awaken that new reality in me. And so that's what I hope, is that we don't get stuck in the past and looking at the golden age of our ministry, whatever that might be, but that we look forward. I hope that you as a church let what has happened here inform what will happen. That you learn from what God has been doing in your midst. And it changes how you minister in the future. I hope that your ministry is different. I hope that you grow and develop and change, just like Timothy grew and developed and changed, just like Paul grew and developed and changed. That you would tie those things into your legacy of faith. You would recognize this is what God has been doing, and this is what he's calling us to do next. But don't stay the same. Let God change you so that you can be more effective as ministers of the gospel. So Paul, Timothy, all of us, we are called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have legacies of faith that we can tie into. They can stretch back, not just to Jesus, not just to the Old Testament, not even just to Adam, but we recognize the fact that God, before time began, called us to be serving him. He had us in mind in terms of the legacy of faith that he is building. And we have served well. God has been at work in our lives, and we can reflect on that. We can be thankful for how God has been at work in us as individuals, as a church. And we can look ahead to what we will be doing next. We can continue to serve well. But we don't have to serve on our own, because Paul finishes this section, verses 6 and 7. He says, God has empowered us to serve him. And we read this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, and of love, and of self-control. I was hoping when Chris did this little uh, demonstration with the, the balloon, I thought, what are the odds that the balloon would actually land right where it was supposed to? I just thought that would be, that's what was going through my mind at that time. But it was a great illustration of self-control, wasn't it? But as we read this, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Well, whenever you read something like that, a phrase like, for this reason, what you should do is look back and say, what is the reason that they're referring to? And so we look back and we see that the reason Paul is, is referring to is the genuine faith that resides in Timothy. Paul says, you have faith. It is genuine. I have seen it at work in your life. And for that reason, fan this gift into flame. The gift was from God. 
it was confirmed by Paul as he laid hands on Timothy. And we see that Timothy was gifted to serve as a pastor, as a leader, as a minister of the gospel in terms of leading a church. But he needed a reminder to carry on serving well. I don't think this was an indicator that, that Timothy's faith was wavering or that he was ready to walk away from his ministry or anything like that. I think this is Paul serving as an encouragement to Timothy and saying, keep on, keeping on with what you have been doing. Don't give up. The image is one of rekindling a dying fire. I got to go camping with my, my son Carlin this summer. We went up to Golden Ears just for one night. We gathered up a whole bunch of firewood, and we headed up. And what do you think Carlin was, was focusing on all, all through the evening as we, we sat there? Dad, don't let the fire go out. Make sure the fire keeps going. And it would, it would die down a little bit, and he said, Dad, we need more wood. We need to get more, more wood. Do we have enough? Are we going to be okay? And he was right, because you need to keep an eye on a fire. If you just light a campfire and don't tend it, it dies, doesn't it? It just it goes out. And so we need to make sure that it, it's cared for well. And I, I took a good care of that fire. In fact, the next morning, the neighbors in the, the next campsite over, they, they were a bit uh, envious of my fire, they said. They said, clearly you were only here for one night because you burned everything you had, didn't you? I said, yes, I, I did. But my son told me to, so it was okay. But the idea is we need to tend a fire. And in terms of our gifts for ministry, we need to do the same thing. If we neglect them, they wither out. They aren't effective. If you get a gift, you need to use it in order for it to be effective and to be used the right way. Notice, Timothy had to use his gift. Fan into flame the gifts God gave to him. Timothy wasn't told to fan into flame the gifts that God gave to someone else. He wasn't supposed to look around and try and use gifts that someone else had. He wasn't to look at someone else's ministry and say, we're going to do things that way. That's how I will be effective in serving God. No, Timothy needed to know how God had gifted him for ministry, and he had to use those gifts. And so do we, so do you. Don't look at how other people serve here at Ebenezer. Look at how God has created you and gifted you to serve him. Don't look to other churches and say, we need to do the, the things the same way that those other churches are doing things. Look to how God has gifted you as a congregation to be serving him well here in Vancouver. Use the gifts and abilities that God has given you so that you can serve as ministers of the gospel. And we see that God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I don't want us to misunderstand this verse. As I was looking through, through different commentaries and preparing for this, there was a, a warning from a number of, of people to make sure that we understand what Paul is saying here. Uh, and in fact, some feel like there's a mistranslation here and that what we should do is take a pen and write in, this, in our English translations, take the, the word spirit and put a capital S on that word spirit, standing for the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the idea that Paul isn't saying that God has given us an attitude of power and an attitude of, of, of self-control and an attitude of love. Instead, he is saying God has given us a Holy Spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. God's Spirit is in our life, and our, our lives shouldn't be characterized by fear, by timidity. And the idea here is uh, you think of someone on a battlefield, a, a soldier in a battle who runs away, who, who's a coward and deserts and runs the other way. And instead, we have a spirit of power, and so we know that the victory is assured, so we should be running towards the battle, trusting that God will win it on our behalf. We have courage 
power, the ability, and the courage to continue on despite hard times. We have love. We know that perfect love drives out fear, as is said in 1 John. And we have self-control. We can have this cool-headed moderation, this thoughtfulness. As we look at what God is calling us to do, we won't rush into decisions, but we will think through things well so that we can make wise and correct decisions through the empowering of God's Spirit. And I need those reminders. Right now, I'm, I'm looking for employment. I could be cowardly and get scared about what's going to happen next, but I need to trust that God will provide for me and for my family. And I need to be cool-headed. I need to think through the different options that I have and not rush into a decision just because it's the first opportunity that comes up. And we all need that. As an individual and as a church, you need all those things. You need God's self-control. You need his love. You need his power so that you can fulfill your ministry and proclaim the gospel as you're called to do. So be encouraged this morning. Paul was sitting in a jail. Timothy was serving in a brutal church with false leaders trying to distort the gospel. But they knew that God had given them a legacy of faith, and God gives you a legacy of faith that you can reflect on and be encouraged by. And Paul and Timothy had served together well, and you have served together well, and that can be an encouragement to look ahead and say, what is God calling us to do next as his ministers of the gospel? And God had given them, Paul and Timothy, both of them, all they needed to continue to serve well. And he has given you all you need to continue to serve well. God has been faithful, and you have been able to serve well. And I look forward to hearing the way that God will continue to be faithful here, and you will continue to serve well. You can, you must fulfill your ministry. You must fan your gift into flame. Don't let it go out. But be diligent and serve based on how God has called you to serve. Declare the gospel. Get to know more about who God is, more about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ through prayer, through study of his word, through talking and learning together. And then go and tell others about who he is. And next week, we will look at some of the the content of the gospel and some of the context into which we need to preach it so that we can help those in our world, our community, learn about Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, again, I thank you for this time here this morning. I thank you that we are your ministers of the gospel. If we know you, we get to proclaim your gospel. What a privilege and a joy that is. And I pray that we would be mindful of the fact that you have given us legacies of faith so that we can serve you well. We have been able to serve already, and we look forward to how we will serve next, and you have given us all that we need to be able to serve you. And I thank you for your word, and I thank you for that encouragement this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.